0: Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis.
1: Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Delighted to be back with you and delighted to welcome back Dale Falwell, the 28th treasurer of the state of North Carolina. He has been in that office since uh, he was elected on November the 6th, 2016. And uh, for those of you who are interested in uh, little details like how much money is involved, Dale Falwell, as treasurer, will oversee more than than $122 billion in pension investments for the uh, approximately 950,000 teachers, firefighters, and public employees of the state of North Carolina. And the North Carolina State Health Plan is also a division of the Department of State Treasurer, providing health care coverage for more than 700,000 state employees, retirees, and their dependents. And so we want to talk about all those things and all the other things that are going on in the treasurer's office. So first of all, let's welcome, uh, Delphine. Well, nice to have you back. As I said earlier, uh, we're doing doing this by Zoom, and I can tell you, you don't look any better than the last time I saw you.
2: Well, uh, I still have a radio face, and you always introduce me as the 28th treasurer, but I'm starting to feel like the 29th and the 30th.
1: Okay. Oh. Well, I have to give you a hard time from time to time, because believe it or not, guys, when we're off camera, he gives me a hard time. So that's okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, the, uh, situation that you have with the, uh, hospitals in North Carolina, because as I said, you are providing through your office, healthcare coverage for 700,000 state employees, retirees and their dependents. Uh, the, uh, The item I have listed here that uh, Jason wrote down for me to ask about, and I'm just going to ask the question because I don't know the, I'm not sure what this covers. Hospital profits during the pandemic.
2: Yes, we uh, just put out a report, Don, for you and Jason and your listeners that show that during the most uh, volatile period in our economic history, where your listeners were facing the highest levels of food and job and educational and of course healthcare uncertainty that the major hospitals in north carolina the ones we were able to get information from uh, reaped billions and billions of dollars of, uh, of profits during that period of time and my reason for bringing this to your attention and bringing it to the attention of the citizens of north carolina is that uh, we are seeing cartel-like activities in our state where uh, These major hospitals are controlling the quantity of health care through a certificate of need process, which if you pronounce it in the short, it's pronounced a con. It's a con on the people of the state. They control the quality of health care. They control the access to their product. They control the price of their product. And now uh, we've been reporting recently about the weaponization of credit scores for North Carolinians associated with this product. And now reaping billions of dollars of benefit. And uh, the fact is that these major uh, non corporations who disguise themselves as nonprofits, uh, run by these multi-million dollar executives and lobbyists, uh, they've turned into real estate development and investment banking firms more than healthcare firms.
1: That's a that's a uh, that's a mouthful. So why don't you go into a little bit more detail exactly? It does happen with the excess of revenue that they have over their expenses, which uh, in private business we would call profit, but in of course the case of a nonprofit, it's uh, it's an excess. So where does that money go? Uh,
2: it stays with them, and they use that to consolidate health care, buy more health care, so that they can raise prices even more. Uh, this is the largest transfer of wealth that I've seen in a long time that's happening right in front of our eyes. We're talking about the increased price of health care, either through direct payments or insurance payments to these cartel-like hospitals. Uh, so this money is coming from the average citizen, especially the lower fixed income people of our state and taxpayers like them, of course, <clears throat> into the coffers of these uh, corporations who disguise themselves as nonprofits. and. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, what's happening right now, Don, and I know this is going to resonate with your listeners, we are now in a situation in this state, and I'm saying this as the state treasurer, the keeper of the public purse, and the largest purchaser of health care in North Carolina, we're now in a situation where people are not going to be able to see themselves out of their poverty because of things associated with healthcare billing. There's a lot of things going on in our world right now that are worth getting emotional about. You know, acts of government, acts of COVID, <laughs> acts of terrorism, acts of God. But this is an act that we could actually prevent.
1: So, what uh, what are your recommendations of what the changes need to be done to accomplish uh, bringing this back in line?
2: <clears throat> well, number one is we need the enforcement of and to protect the consumers. Uh, I'm the keeper of the public purse, but in this instance, I'm also the protector of the consumer. I mean, As we talked about earlier, this is a product that your listeners would rather not consume. That would mean they're healthy. When they're told, uh, when they try to inquire what it costs, they're told it's none of their business. And then when they don't pay their bill, they get punished or their healthcare bill gets weaponized. We have a five point plan. It's not easy, but it's simple. Number one, get rid of secret contracts. Eliminate secret contracts in North Carolina <clears throat> so that people know what they're paying for health care. Number two, be willing to push the power to the consumer. You know, if you're as old as I am, Don, you know that today is Senior Citizen Day at Harris Teeter. I mean, at Foodline, tomorrow is Senior Citizen Day at Harris Teeter. So if somebody my age they're going to buy groceries, the, ch- the time to buy them is tomorrow when you get the discount. Why should that matter to your listeners? It matters because people know how to consume if they're given the information to consume with. Number three is stop building, stop borrowing, and stop buying uh, other hospitals. Uh, Number four, stop weaponizing people's credit scores. And number five, and as important as everything else, make sure that the charity care that you're supposed to be offering is commensurate with the tax benefit that the taxpayers are giving you.
1: Well, that's, that's a lot of uh, data to uh, digest for people who are not really infinitely uh, familiar with the product. You mentioned secret contracts. Tell me a little bit more about that.
2: I sent a uh, uh, public information request to UNC Healthcare about four years ago. You've seen these pages. And we spent about $300 million of taxpayer money with UNC Healthcare I thought it was appropriate. I'm the state treasurer. They're in the state hospital. And I said, I know what we're paying you. I'm trying to figure out what we were supposed to pay you. And as you've seen in the past, being in studio, uh, they produced, sent me 150 pages of a price list that were completely redacted. My point of bringing that to your listeners' attention is that this is an industry that wants to operate in secrecy, has spent 40 years uh, building up this this activity so that they could take advantage of consumers. And uh, at the, you say it's a lot, but I'm actually trusting your listeners. It's not a lot. Every one of your listeners knows that some, something's wrong with healthcare.
1: So now where do the other insurance uh, providers like Blue Cross Blue Shield and, and uh, the others, uh, where do they stand on this issue and how are they dealing with the hospitals?
2: Well, uh, I would say the insurance companies are a cartel also. Uh, I would say the prescription drug companies are a cartel. Uh, It's a little bit of a sidebar, Don, but a year and a half ago, our board of trustees of our state health plan eliminated the cost of insulin. Now, why do we do that? Because our responsibility is to do the most good for the most number of people with our state health plan. And the cost of insulin, I think, has tripled in some cases over the last seven years. This is the same insulin that I used to help my grandmother inject herself with in 1965. There's no reason that the cost of insulin should have tripled over the last seven years. And so this is just an example of what you were asking me about. It's not just the hospitals, but it's also the insurance and the drug companies.
1: So, you know, let's talk about the insulin thing because that affects so many people. And you're exactly right. Uh, This is a product that there's not been uh, any great improvement in. In other words, a lot of money is not being spent on research to improve insulin, maybe uh, diabetes, but not necessarily insulin. Why is the federal government uh, uh, not enacting laws or passing um, legislation that would preclude these companies from raising Products like this. I know I take a drug that uh, I've been taking for 20 years and it's more than four times the cost it was four years ago. So, what? why uh, is this not an issue that the federal government is jumping all over?
2: Because the cartel is very powerful. I mean, and let's be clear uh, about the fact that we're not talking about the people who actually do the work of healthcare. We're talking about these multi million dollar lobbyists who represent. Who are uh, these multi-million dollar executives? And the cartel is very powerful. They control all the legislatures across the country as well as the U.S. Congress.
1: So uh, now, it, it, is this done with this so-called dark money and political advertising? It, because uh, it would appear that uh, they would have to disclose their contributions to these candidates. If yeah, but no, it's
2: all. Uh, uh, we actually have canceled checks uh, from UNC healthcare where they took taxpayer money and contributed to a, a, uh, a political organization, which is totally against the law. And, and, and and when the person, when we presented this to the person who we were accusing of this uh, he said, well, let me check on the signature. Guess whose signature it was. It was his
1: my goodness. So why is this not a matter for the state auditor, for example, in the state of North Carolina?
2: Well, the state auditor, and by the way, uh, you know that, and knowing her and your listeners are familiar with her, when I'm the calm one in the room, somebody's having a bad day, (laughs) Uh, because that means she's on top of the situation. Uh, The state auditor is, there's no space between us on this issue. She is deeply concerned as a citizen, as the state auditor, and as a consumer of healthcare about what's happening to the average people across North Carolina. But as I said earlier, the cartel is very strong.
1: So, uh, okay, you've got this five-point plan. Uh, is this is this gonna be something you're gonna introduce at the legislative level or how are you going to enforce these, these steps?
2: Well, we've tried to, but, uh, you know, the legislature is, you know, for one reason or another, uh, there's always a reason I've uh, been unable to give me the tools I need to do my job as the state treasurer of North Carolina. And it's not just my job. It's, we're talking about people who teach, protect, and otherwise serve. Our, our job is to advocate for the invisible, and that's what we're trying to do here about increasing access and lowering health care costs.
1: Well, you've given us a lot to think about, especially with house bill costs and so forth. We've got lots of other things we want to talk to. Our guest is Dale Falwell, the state treasurer of the state of North Carolina. And we've got uh, three more segments to go on this edition of Carolina Newsmakers. And we will start right after we take time out for this message.
0: Excuse me. I know you have a nine o'clock, so I'll keep this short.
2: I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet.
0: Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me, get granular, keep me in the pipeline. But nada, nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me and I still looked amazing
2: during the breakout talkback Q&A. So I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume and I absolutely crush it in interviews, okay? Let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill,
0: where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table.
1: Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
0: We continue with carolina newsmakers here's don curtis
1: well uh secretary uh, we've got uh, the state treasurer dale falwell who as i said was elected to his job on november 8th 2016. uh he previously served four terms as a member of the north carolina house of representatives including two years as speaker pro tem so he has a legislative background as well let's talk a little bit about uh Inflation, because we're hearing more and more about that these days in the news and how is that going to affect your office? How's that going to affect the pension and how's that going to affect uh, uh, the, the taxes as as uh, and the uh, budget of the state of North Carolina? Those four different questions, all rolled into one.
2: Well, uh, I know you had to cut your IQ in half to get those out because I think you were originally going to ask me eight in one. So I appreciate you doing that. Uh, uh, all serious uh, issues, uh, you know, as I've said on uh, previous shows, uh, Don, the eyes have it. That's a term that people are familiar with as far as voting for things. But the two eyes I'm talking about is inflation and higher interest rates. And uh, inflation is a thief, especially for the lower and fixed income people of our state. And there's a lot of them. Uh, inflation is impacting us in many different ways. Uh, one is, for example, the Department of Transportation, which is maxed out its credit card. Uh, we've just issued some more built-in C bonds on their behalf, and the interest rate I think was nearly double what it was uh, 14 months ago. Uh, the positive news on the state debt, the GEO, the debt, the state debt is scheduled to fall 60 60 percent. Uh, and your listeners should be very happy about that. Now, on the pension plan, because we have so many of the uh, newsmaker uh, uh, listeners who teach, protect, and otherwise serve, uh, you know, higher interest rates long-term are bad for citizens and bad for the economy, but are good for the pension plan because we have about $50 billion for the things that earn in interest. So uh, we're closely monitoring that, but As your listeners know, who have money invested in their 401k and other types of investments, I think this is the first five-month period in our lifetimes, Don. That's a lot of lifetimes. I think collectively we're about 147 years old or something. Uh, that, That This is the first time in our lifetimes that the bond and the stock market have had sequential losses month after month after month. So these higher interest rates where the eyes have it is having a Impact not just on the value of the bond investments, but also stock investments.
1: So, uh, so convert that to what the problems that's going to lead to, and when when do you expect it will reverse and come back?
2: Well, it's uh, it can come back, but inflation, as you know, as someone like myself who lived during the early seventies. During the Arab Oil Embargo, inflation is not is not when you see it. It's when people start believing it's not going away. I believe we're probably in the third inning, Don. i will be interested in your opinion on this. I think we're probably in the third inning about obviously people are seeing inflation, but we're probably only in the third inning about people realizing it's not going away, and that's that's the dangerous part of this.
1: Well, of course, you know every day we uh, drive, we pass service stations with gas prices listed, and and that's a constant reminder because gas prices are almost double what they were a year ago or at the lowest point in the last four or five years, and that's what people see all the time. And of course, uh, when they go to the grocery store, they're noticing increases in in prices. They're also noticing in some cases that uh, companies are shrinking the size of the product It was six ounces, an ounce, five ounces, but it's the same price. Um, how, how, uh, how catchy is this? How sticky is this with the mentality? How long does this kind of, uh, uh, thought process go on before the public says, wait a minute, I'm just not gonna pay you anymore. This is it, i stopped.
2: Well, the, the challenge we have, Don, is that, uh, most people have never lived through this. They may have lived through it as a child, but they weren't, they weren't in the economic world like you and I were. And so for something they've never seen before, especially with confidence in government being so low, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to see how this ends. I just don't think it's going to end well, especially for the lower fixed income people. Why do I keep mentioning that to your listeners? The reason I keep mentioning it is that they have nothing to inflate. You know, inflation helps some things and it helps the value of some things go up. But if you're a lower fixed income individual, you may not have any assets that can inflate. That's why. And but yet your cost of gas, the cost of uh, energy, the cost of food and and lodging continues to rise. That's why people should be deeply concerned. So what can they do about it? And I'm going to I'm going to offend your uh, listeners all in one sentence. I'm going to use the word conservative and liberal. The root word of conservative is to conserve the root word of liberal is to liberate. If people will measure four times and and buy once and really start conserving, that means turning off lights, turning off your spigot when you brush your teeth, uh, turning up the air conditioner when you're going out for extended periods, turning down your hot water heater when you're going on vacation. Those are all things that need to happen collectively by our society so that their usage of these types of products will decrease. And anytime the pressure to buy these products goes down, then ultimately the price will have to go down. (coughs) So how does that relate to the word liberal? The root word of the word liberal is to liberate, to set economically free. And I I uh, I think if consumers will focus on conserving, that they will eventually be liberated to have the joy of achievement and upward mobility in their life.
1: Now, we have talked from time to time about the state bond rating in, uh, of North Carolina, which has always been one of the best in the country. Uh, are we still in that uh, class as far as uh, uh, in comparison with others? Are we still lower than most others, but still uh, yet to seeing increases?
2: Well, you know, we get these big, fancy booklets from the bond rating agencies every year, uh, Standard Poor's, booties, and Pitches. And there's a little asterisk at the bottom of those that says, as long as Don Curtis is a resident and taxpayer of North Carolina, uh, we're going to be okay as far as our bond rating.
1: Okay. Well, I, 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 I'm surprised that it took him that long to get back in there. <laughs> <'cause
2: that's gonna laughs> back oh, see, uh, you were the last person to get the treasure of humor there. All your listeners laugh long before you did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but basically, but, we're still...
2: Let me expand on that. Why why should your listeners care about this? Because the bond rating is a sign of quality, like a credit score and and, or restaurant sanitation grade. The higher your bond rating, if you have to borrow money for public education, public works and public roads, you can do it at, at lower interest rates, which means you can buy more whatever it is you're getting. That's why this is important to your listeners, because your listeners do care about public education, public safety, public works and public roads.
1: Well, it's, it's uh, you know, we, it's been a while since we have had the word inflation as a part of our vocabulary. We've had an unusual economy for the last, I don't know, uh, while. I, uh, so it's, it's something that we are reacquainting ourselves with. Um, but yet this is happening at a time where the supply chain is also a major issue. We can't get products. Um, we can't find the... Uh, I, I know I was talking to a, a municipality in the west of my hometown, Vesmer City. They've ordered a piece of equipment for their public works department, and they've been promised the delivery in 15 months. Um, so where does that? how does that fit in? I, I, I know I'm really asking you questions. I probably be, ought to be asking Mike Walden, who's our state economist, uh, or the nearest thing we've got to state economists. But how does this, uh, from your point of view of watching the economy how does this match up? I mean, on one hand, we have uh, a great deal of difficulty uh, filling all the jobs that are open. Uh, We are having a supply chain problem. We can't buy what we want. The used car, the the new car lots are uh, really, really skippy compared to where they were uh, a year and a half or two years ago. How does this match up?
2: Well, it doesn't match up very well at all. And you know, whether you're a business person like yourself, uh, uh, business and uh, a person like at Jason's age who's trying to, you know, raise his family and have upward mobility in his life, or, or Michael Walden, the economist or the state treasurer. I mean, this all goes hand in hand. Uh, uh, as I said, these are, these are serious matters because uh, if you have increased supply, demand for products and the supply is not there, uh, in the world of supply and demand, they taught me at UNC Greensboro and West and Salem State, the prices are going to go up, and then when the price goes up, the eyes have it: uh, higher interest rates and higher uh, inflation. So that's uh, that's where we are. So these uh, these supply chain issues are extremely serious in relation to everything that uh, that has to take place here. But once again, uh, I'm pushing the power down to your listeners. Turn off your lights. Turn up your air conditioning. Turn down your hot water heater. Turn off your spigot when you're brushing your teeth. These little things that I've just described, watching the pennies, of the paper clips, will reduce the demand for any of these products that you're using, which will ultimately cut the cost of those, which will help turn all this back in the right direction.
1: Now, North Carolina is growing very rapidly, and almost every day we're seeing an announcement about major. Uh, Improvements in the uh, uh, industrial uh, job market and so forth. fast is coming in looking for seven thousand five hundred employees and so forth. So the state government's coffers are going to have more money because there's going to be more people working at higher wages. So state government is actually in pretty good shape. Is that correct?
2: Uh, it is, and uh, you know, uh, oftentimes I wear a lapel pin that has NC on it, and. Uh, For your listeners who can't see that, that stands obviously for North Carolina, but for the purposes of your question, Don, it stands for nothing compares. Um, I wouldn't trade places with any other state treasurer in the United States. Nothing compares uh, to the fact that we've been balancing budgets, building surpluses, establishing rainy day funds and the like. Let me also tell you that uh, in addition to that, it's very important that that your uh, listeners realize that uh, we have gone from number 26 in the country for business outlook and regulatory environment and certainty to number two in the last 12 years. Number 26 to number two, only behind Utah. So it's not just you and I having this conversation, the people who vote with their money and vote with their feet to expand or retain, retain or expand or relocate their businesses in North Carolina understand what type of environment they're getting into and that's why uh we're doing so well across the state especially in the torso but let me be clear as i have in the past one of my 21 duties and responsibilities as chairing of the local government commission uh, we can't just have a strong torso which is boone Asheville, charlotte the triad the triangle and and the wilmington area and rocky Mountain to some degree we can't just have a strong torso We have to have the strong legs and arms and the fingers and the toes to actually drive that. So we got to make sure that we have economic prosperity for all parts of our state. And I think this new ranking that just came out, putting us at number two in the country, is going to help with that issue.
1: We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your efforts in fighting fraud in the pension system and the uh, disability overpayments. Our guest is State Treasurer Dale Falwell, and as I said, we'll be right back right after these messages.
0: Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis.
1: We welcome you back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Dale Falwell. He's the state treasurer of the state of North Carolina. And uh, we've already talked about the uh, efforts that he's making in the uh, maintaining the North Carolina state health plan for more than 700,000 state employees, retirees, and their dependents. We've talked about the uh, problems that the pension plan has with its investments during this period of uh, inflation and uh, a, a downturn, a slight downturn in the economy. Let's turn now to uh, something else that I know is dear, near and dear to your heart, uh, Dale, because any nickel that goes to somebody that doesn't deserve it is uh, really robbing it from the rest of us. I know you spend an awful lot of time talking about fighting fraud in the pension system, and then an disability overpayment so let's talk about what you're doing there and some of the successes that you're having
2: well thank you and um you know i know we've had a couple of previous segments and we talked about inflation and, and uh healthcare uh, cost and and other types of issues and um I, I would rather not be discussing fraud with you because i wish it weren't going on uh, but I, we all know that it is uh whether the hope program that the state was responsible for, which was trying to connect landlords with renters when the renters couldn't earn an income to pay their bills. Uh, it's been a little bit of a, it's been a disaster. Uh, we have teenagers cashing checks for tens of thousands of dollars, who are supposedly landlords at check cashing companies. Um, so fraud is something that's very important. Uh, I'm the keeper of the public purse, but the state treasurer is the watch, the state altar is the watchdog and. Uh, a lot of the fraud we're seeing right now, Don, is in local governments. Uh, we just had an indictment come out of uh, uh, Cumberland County with uh, East uh, Spring Lake, where we had a finance officer who embezzled reportedly, allegedly, over a half a million dollars. There's also 35 vehicles missing in Spring Lake, missing. And uh, this reporting, this embezzling of this money, Some of it went to a nursing home for her parent, where she even put the room number and the name on the the memo line. That's the arrogance. So when we talk about fraud, there's fraud all across state government. And at the treasurer's office, we focus on one. If one person is frauding a system, any system, whether it's the volunteer firefighter system or any of these systems, if one person is frauding it, it's one too many. And ultimately as the state treasurer, we're in the check delivery business and getting checks in the hands of the rightful owners is obviously something that we take very seriously. And also from a quality control standpoint, we focus on the number one there also. Uh, As it relates to any of these payments, if one person is not getting them correctly and quickly, that's one too many. If one person is getting these that they shouldn't receive, That's also one too many. Oftentimes, as you know, in state government, we can be bogged down and say, oh, that doesn't matter. That was 400,000, that was 800,000, that's a million dollars. And in context, the fact that we're managing nearly a quarter of a trillion dollars, two $240 billion, one of the largest pools of public money in the world. It's important that we watch the pennies and paper clips on all of those issues, not just the big ones.
1: Let's talk a little bit about disability overpayments. How does that occur and how are you able to recover any of those funds?
2: Uh, We're taking steps to recover those funds and, uh, you know, disability is a very uh, uh, interesting uh, topic. Uh, We have a group of doctors who actually analyze our disability cases. Um, We are constantly trying to figure out uh, if somebody's trying to take advantage or gain the system and often uh, and i regret saying this we find that there are vendors who will sign off on certain types of disabilities or whatever so that they can draw a big check uh, as a result of that so uh, as i said earlier we would rather us not have, there not be a, uh, a system because we would rather people not be hurt uh, that's the, at the end of the day uh, you'd rather have a disability system that doesn't have to be engaged because that would mean no one's to stay disabled. And that'd be a blessing.
1: Let's move to another topic now and talk about the Highway Trust Fund and bring us up to date because there were some problems there. Uh, tell us where we stand now.
2: The Highway Trust Fund, as you know, I've been on the show many times before. Um, it's finding its way back uh, when I was sworn in as the state treasurer we had 1.4 billion that's B billion dollars in highway trust fund and in the short few short months not only had your department of transportation overspent their budget by 2 billion they had also eviscerated the highway trust fund and the reason I'm bringing this to your listeners attention again is that they were writing checks their butts couldn't cash I know that's not the most elegant thing to say on the radio but I think people my age understand what that means. They were, they were kiting checks. Uh, They were making promises to go do this, buy this, hire these people, buy this equipment. You know, trees are going to grow to the sky, but the fact is they didn't have the juice or the money to pay for all this. It's been a disaster and, you know, I have a great working relationship with the new secretary of transportation, Eric Boyette. It's not so new anymore, but uh, we don't get too far out in front of each other. but uh, he is there as a result of me calling for the firing of his predecessor, uh, which happened. The firing of his the former chief chief operating officer, uh, the term the leaving of the agency, which happened, and also the chief financial officer. So I applaud uh, Secretary Boyette and his new team for partnering with the state treasurer's office to figure out what's right, get it right, and keep it right. Unlike the state. Uh, debt which I reported in the previous segment is scheduled to fall 60 percent I know somebody may wreck their car when they hear that because they've never heard it before no matter how old they are uh, the state debt is, is going to fall about 60 percent but that's not the highway trust that's not the highway debt the DOT debt the DOT debt is going to uh, is continued to grow and they continue to max out their credit card and just when we got things under control with the DOT, then the DOT's been hit with inflationary issues.
1: Well, inflation, of course, uh, we, as I said earlier, we had been accustomed to not having to deal with inflation for so many years that uh, we're ha- all having to learn new lessons of how to cope with it, and that's uh, something that apparently we're going to have to live with for a while. Uh, so, so. Do you think, I I, I gauge from what you're saying, we can finally put a little bit more uh, confidence in the word trust as far as the word highway trust fund, that there's a little bit more trust there than there was before. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, there is. And, you know, the secretary and I have some very, as I say, two old men sitting on a park bench kind of conversations. Um, You and I have had those in the past and just where we can kind of talk and uh, this is a very important point for your listeners because I know their confidence in government is at an all-time low. Uh, generally speaking, they don't think their government has the ability to even get out of its way in, 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 for anything positive. But I'm trying to restore their their confidence in their government by saying that you know it's not enough just to spew rage and to blame people. <laughs> Eventually, whether it's the DOT, <coughs> the uh, DES, or uh, Department of Revenue, or Department of Environmental Quality or any other word that starts with a D. Eventually, it's not enough just to point fingers and blame. Somebody eventually has to fix this stuff. And uh, that's what I have a reputation for. And that's what Secretary Boyette uh, has a reputation for. Uh, We don't always agree on everything, uh, but it's not for lack of communication, which is very, very important. As I said earlier, uh, your listeners are not that high maintenance. Your listeners just want to be spoken to like adults, and what they hear needs to make some level of common sense.
1: One of the things that is of concern in North Carolina is the fact that we are basically economically two different states. We've got about 20, 25 counties that are growing just about as fast as you can grow. Then we've got 75 other counties, and the bottom 25 of those are actually And have been, even in good times, suffering. And within the counties, you've got a number of very small towns that are having a lot of difficulties. And I know just recently you, uh, dissolved a charter of a town in Scotland County called East Laurenburg. Uh, you're dealing with this more and more these days where these small towns just don't have enough funds to, to, uh, cover their operations. What's the, what's the future there? What's the, what's the solution?
2: Well, the solution is is that we have to make sure that the people in Raleigh understand that it's not just the torso of our state, which is Boone, Asheville, Charlotte, Tri- add Triangle, some degree Rocky Mountain area, and then Wilmington. That it's just not the torso as the census is telling us that we need to worry about. We need to worry about the legs and the arms and the toes and the fingers of our state, which are vitally important. And when we don't have broadband access, when we people are having to drive 45 miles to get health care, uh, when electricity rates are more than they may should be, and especially water and sewer rates. Uh, I know there's nothing really special about talking about broadband and water and sewer rates, but I can tell you that it's really affecting the low and fixed income people of those communities. And when you say they're in stress, let's just call it the way it is, Don, they're depopulating. And that depopulation spreads the cost of those programs over the backs of fewer and fewer people, which drives more people away. And we need to reverse that trend.
1: Well, in many cases, especially in eastern North Carolina, a lot of these towns have infrastructure systems, water and sewer systems that are in very bad repair. Uh, A city like Raleigh or, or other water systems could issue bonds and correct this situation. Uh, the bond ratings of these smaller towns is probably just not, uh, does not put them in a position to, to issue bonds. Uh, so where do they yeah. get the money?
2: Let's be clear about this, that uh, this is a big challenge. And, you know, people talk about the amount of needs that we have above ground, whether it's roads and other kinds of things. <clears throat> I want to remind you and the listeners that we have about $50 billion worth of needs underground that we can't see. Water and sewer and that type of thing. And you're exactly right. And I also want to tell you that, uh, you know, the tale of two cities as far as how strong their torso is doing. Uh, let me remind the, your listeners that when a sewer main breaks in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, near the coast. It cost about $270 a foot to repair that. When that same break happens in Wake County, it's half that cost. Now, why is that? It should be cheaper in Elizabeth City, right? Except for the small fact that when you start digging down to fix a sewer break in Elizabeth City, you hit the water table very quickly. So not only are you trying to repair the water the sewer line, but you're having to the, the, you know, displace water while you're trying to repair the sewer line. So this is just one of the details that we get into at the state treasurer's office through the local government commission. East Laurenburg is losing its charter tomorrow. Uh, and as I've said publicly, this is an onion. The more we peel it, the more we cry. Uh, they can always be a community called East Lahrenberg, uh, But the fact is that they have not shown the competence, the, the transparency, or the governance necessary to actually govern. On the ballot in the last election, there were four city council slots, Don, and one mayor slot. There's only one person that uh, filled out the paperwork to be elected. Not one person per slot, Don, one person. And that person lost due to a writing candidate. So the community didn't have any interest in this either, and we're going to be able to, and we're going to be able to lower property taxes because they'll no longer be paying city taxes.
1: Yeah. Well, again, you know, one of the problems when you depopulate is you have fewer and fewer people who can serve and who are willing to serve. Uh, they not only, again, the pool is smaller, but then those who have good judgment say, "I'm not sure I want to get involved in that." Uh, There's no solutions to some of these problems, and I might like to serve, but I don't uh, know that I can serve and serve well. Well, we've we've got one final segment of Carolina Newsmakers coming up with our guest Dale Falwell, North Carolina State Treasurer, and uh, we will do that right after we take time out for these messages.
0: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably.
1: Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends?
0: I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Don Curtis.
1: Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is uh, Dale Falwell. He is the uh, state treasurer in his second term. Uh, he, of course, as we said earlier, was a four term member of the North Carolina House of Representatives. And then uh, after that, he was assistant secretary of commerce uh, running the Employment Security Commission. And now, a, uh, of course, is uh, our state treasurer. He is a certified public accountant by training and uh, as uh, a native, of course, of Winston-Salem, he's married and uh, has three children. Uh, so that sort of gives us some background on our guest. Uh, now let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that are going on in your office. Uh, we, we started off by talking about the uh, uh, role that you play in the state health plan and uh, that uh, job of providing health care for 700,000 state employees, retirees, and dependents. And you mentioned, of course, that's that's a battle that you're having with the hospitals and keeping rates down. Would you like to go back and and, and add anything else to what you said earlier?
2: Yeah, I would just like to say that when we talk about the healthcare cartel, we're talking about these multi-billion-dollar corporations who disguise themselves as nonprofits, who don't pay any taxes, who are run by these multi-million-dollar executives and the multi-million dollar lobbyists who get their way. We're talking about a product that your listeners would rather not consume because that would mean they're healthy. When they try to be good consumers and figure out what something will cost, they're told it's none of their business. And then when they don't pay their bill, they get punished and their, weapon, their uh, credit rating gets weaponized. I said in the earlier segment, I met a 28-year-old this week who, whose credit score dropped 50 points because of a $10 copay on a COVID shot that he was unaware of. 50 points on your credit score makes a big difference to a 28-year-old, especially when you consider that it it has the impact of uh, the cost of a cell phone, the cost of basic liability insurance on your car, whether you get the benefit of the doubt to rent an apartment, interest rate on a house, and now we're learning, Don, uh, something you've probably instinctively known for a long time, There are certain jobs in North Carolina you shouldn't apply for or can't apply for based on your credit score. So why are we shutting these people out of upward mobility and joy of achievement in their life uh, based on something they had no control over? We have to stop weaponizing the credit scores. The cartel needs to stop and reverse course. Uh, It's immoral uh, what they're doing to the people of the state the billions of dollars that are being transferred every year from the average citizen of these uh, entities is mind-boggling. And this is not a Democrat, Republican, unaffiliated issue. <laughs> this is not a racial issue. This is not a gender issue. This is an issue that impacts every single person in this state who are now in a situation where they can't see themselves past their poverty.
1: We've heard a lot about Medicare expansion. Is that going to affect the state health plan in any way?
2: That's a great question. Uh, Medicaid expansion. Uh, I know I sometimes (laughs) interchange the words also. Uh, Medicare is for people like myself next year. I'll be on Medicare when I turn 65. Uh, uh, Medicaid expansion, to your point, is uh, a battle that's been going on between the legislature and the governor for a very long period of time. And the reason that your listeners are hearing more about Medicaid expansion is that uh, over the last couple of years, there have been more carrots and sticks put into the federal law that would possibly incent and encourage states like North Carolina to actually expand Medicaid, uh, where we had not done that previously. (coughs) I will tell you along these lines that I'm in favor of expanding health care for those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve and their families. So my responsibility on the state health plan is to make sure that we're running it as efficiently as possible and uh, making it as accessible as possible. And that's what we're doing in the state health plan. Um, I think that with all the activity going on, you know, previously the House was in favor of, the Senate was against it. Now the Senate's in favor of it and some of the House is against it. Uh, but at the end of the day, the budget that was just released today did not have Medicaid expansion in it. But I'm sure uh, it's something that people are working hard to get to the bottom of and get to the right answer. But I will say what I've always said we do not have a revenue problem with healthcare in North Carolina. We have a cost problem, and the cartel is the one driving up the cost.
1: We can't let this program go by without talking about. Uh all that cash that you've got that belongs to somebody else and that you would love to give back to them. <laughs> Unclaimed cash.
2: Well, you know, the official the official word, Don, is the sheets division. But as I've told your listeners in the past, I used to stutter and I'm not, I'm advised not to use that word in the afternoon. because uh, if it came out wrong, we'd both get fined <laughs> by the federal government. So we're gonna call it nccash.com. Uh, Before we get into the details, I need to remind your listeners uh, that once the money's there, it stays there forever. Uh, There is no charge to look up your name or the name of uh, your parent, grandparent, maiden name, business, church, baseball team. I gave $2,800 to the Twin City Kiwanis Club today in Winston-Salem, $500 to the point uh, elementary school in Pender County this week. the other week we gave a thousand dollars to the international civil rights museum who had put a deposit down on a phone system and then when the check got sent back to them it got the mail did not go through and it got sent to the treasurer's office and you know as well as i do don the international civil rights museum has been on elm street Greensboro, for decades so the fact that check didn't get to them should give your listeners a great deal of comfort (coughs) that it is possible THAT THEY HAVE SOMETHING AT NCCASH.COM. I WAS SPEAKING TO THE FBI AGENTS uh, THIS WEEK IN WILMINGTON AND HAD BREAKFAST WITH SOMEBODY THAT WAS SCHEDULED AT THE LAST MINUTE. THE PERSON I WAS HAVING BREAKFAST WITH HAD 12 ENTRIES AT NCCASH.COM. YOU YOURSELF HAVE HAD ENTRIES IN THE PAST AT NCCASH.COM. THE PERSON WHO BROUGHT MY GUEST A COFFEE, SHE HAD, SHE'S 20, LESS THAN 25 YEARS OLD, HAD TWO ENTRIES AT NCCASH.COM. And the person that brought our breakfast, who's all 23 <coughs> years old, uh, transferred from UNC Wilmington to Cape Fear Community College. He had two entries at nccash.com. His dad had an entry. His granddad had an entry. And the other day when I was uh, going to give a speech at the Corey Center, I pulled off at the Great Clips there in Mebane to get a haircut, a random haircut at a random place with a random hairdresser. She had five entries at nccash.com dating back to when she was 19 years old and when she worked for Wilco. So this is not a gimmick. And every state has the equivalent of nccash.com. Go on there and check all these names that I mentioned. There's no charge to check names and there's no charge to make a claim. Now, I know you've told your listeners and me uh, uh, often that I have a radio face. So when you go to nccash.com and you don't see my face come up, then you're on a website that's going to try to charge you to do something for you that we don't charge you anything for. Just another valuable reason to listen to newsmakers.
1: So so basically this is money that belongs to people that you're glad to give back to. All they've got to do is uh, go and see who who may owe it to them. Uh, If you've had a life insurance policy that uh, the insurance company lost your address, that money might be there. If you've had a stock certificate that uh, maybe through mergers or something, uh, or you didn't make a change of address and so forth, all of that can end up here and it's yours for the taking. So, um, uh, Yeah. So, so let me,
2: let me explain, you know, with our 147 years of collective time on this earth, uh this happens uh we have smashed all records this year don thanks to uh shows like yours we have smashed all records we've paid out a hundred million dollars this year out of nccash.com it's been remarkable especially in this inflationary period uh we're going to smash that record again in the next fiscal year and my point of saying that to you is that but for shows like yours we would not be able to get this word out. And that's why it's so vitally important that your listeners go. I will tell your listeners that uh, Don and I have gotten smarter over the years of doing this. Initially, we would talk about nccash.com in the first part of the hour, and no one heard anything else we said because they were all checking <laughs> their names. <laughs> so we've gotten smarter. We don't give them the cookie until uh, after the show is near the end. Uh, but uh so, so, just want to so thank you for returned. Do what?
1: So you've returned a hundred million dollars to citizens of North Carolina
2: in the last eleven in the last eleven months.
1: That's incredible.
2: Yeah, um, it's an all-time record, and yeah. we're going to break that well, record not, again next year.
1: And if, the other thing that I would stress is if you've checked it one time and you think you've checked it, check it again because we went through the process a couple of uh, months ago and and found some. Uh, money due to our companies and uh, uh it was a sizable amount of money and uh so this is this is something the money belongs to you the public and uh, it's being held by the treasurer's office for your benefit so all you need to do so how do you how do you find out you go online to com, correct right and let me
2: put a little bow on what you just said we smashed all records in paying money out we smashed all records and getting more money in. We now get, we got in $237 million this year. So your point about Curtis Media and Don Curtis and <coughs> all your friends and loved ones, uh, you need to go back and check it every year. Don't just check it once every five years, check it like every time there's a time change uh, because money is coming in every single week. We were able to return working on returning $200,000 to a lady. Uh, who the money had been sitting there, life insurance proceeds, she lives in, a, I believe, in a mobile home park in a thick, low, uh, in a rural part of North Carolina. Uh, that's going to change her life. It was a life insurance proceeds that somebody designated her as a beneficiary. And I say this story a lot across the state, as I did at the Kiwanis, Twin City Kiwanis Club, and Winston-Salem today. And they said, well, how would somebody not know that they're a beneficiary of a $200,000 life insurance policy? And I said, in this world, I think that's the last thing I'd be telling anybody, because stranger things have happened over
1: $200,000. That's right. You don't want to tell somebody you've left money in the life. That You're exactly right there. Well, Dale, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And uh, again, that's nccash.com. That's where you begin your search. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and we remind you that if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to to carolinanewsmakers.com a number of the stations that uh, carry this program carry a half hour version so that means you've missed two segments and those two segments are also available for you to enjoy and uh, they are identified in, on carolinanewsmakers.com so that you can just listen to those that you missed or you can enjoy the entire broadcast one more time or as we said share it with a friend Jason promises me that he will have another interesting guest next week, and so we will look forward to having you back with us again then. I hope you and yours have a wonderful week.
0: Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com.